We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Indeed and Bet Online. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for you guys at the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight, my co-host, former NFL defensive back, same as always, Eric Crocker. What's up? What's up, man? Nothing, dude. Just, uh... Getting back from another day of practice. It was a good day of practice. It was productive. It was productive. They're starting to learn plays and stuff, and uh, it's always a good time. At this they, age, middle school, at this age, it's a good time. Uh, do they get tested for, like, COVID or anything? No. See, we're – I mean, it's football practice, but they have to stay in groups of 10. They can't all be together. 
they have to all try to stay six feet apart. But you know how kids are. They don't care. So, you know, that's tough. And, you know, we all we do just like a lot of individual work. You know, we don't there's no like offense versus a defense or defense versus an offense. It's just kind of like plays on air right now. Got it. So it's I mean, it's I mean, it's still football practice, but it's weird. It's not, you know, no one has pads. No one's touching each other. It's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's I mean, it's been an adjustment for everyone, you know, dealing with COVID. Right. And that was one of the things that we talked about before the season started. You know, whoever, you know, adjust the best, you know, they're going to be the most successful. And that's the same with you guys, right? Being able to abide by the rules that they've given and just adjust and, you know, just do whatever you guys have to do to get through and, and you know, to play football in the spring. So, Yeah. Well, and, and even then, I don't even know if that's going to happen because, I mean, we're not even supposed to come back to school until January. And even then, when we are coming back to school, the classrooms are only allowed to be half full. So you have to get half your students on one day, half your students on the next day. And uh, you like the, obviously they all have to be six feet apart there. Ha- you know, if they're facing each other, it has to be like plastic shields. Uh, you know, they can't share things. And you know, if you think about it, like if that's how it is, like in the classroom, then there's no way they can play sports. You know, like if things are that like strict, I mean, there's unfortunately there's no like rapid testing facility at every middle school in California, you know, so like it's it's they can't really run it like the NFL runs it. So I don't know. I mean, I hope we play to some extent. I would like to get back to that, but I'm pretty, I don't know, pessimistic, I guess you could say. You know, and it's just so crazy to me because, you know, I'm here in in the South and my son, I you know, I watched his middle school team, like, you know, they played every game this year, football, <laughs> you know, uh, the high school <laughs> team played, um, they're in class, like they've been in class the whole time. You had the option to do uh virtual learning or be in right. the classroom, but they're in the classroom and so far there hasn't been any, you know, real issues. So, um, you know, kudos to California for, you know, going above and beyond, but definitely here in the South, they're just moving along and just, you know, taking whatever, whatever precautions they have to take to, to, you know, try to keep everybody safe, but they're, they're definitely just moving on. Right. Well, we'll see how it goes, especially with, with winter rolling through. And I mean, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how many people are going to be, you know, cause obviously the winter time usually signifies a big increase in just your regular old flu cases, you know? So does that mean that are there still going to be increases in flu cases? Or is everybody going to have coronavirus now? Like, you know, like it's going to be, and I'm not like critiquing anything. I'm just saying it's going to be hard to tell the difference, you know, especially with testing not readily available to everybody, you know, and and they've already told us if like a student gets sick in class, you know, and and I, I, I don't know if it requires a positive test, but if a student gets sick in class, then that whole class has to transition to online learning. You know, so it's it's like it's gonna be wild. It'll be it'll yeah. be wild, but you know, we'll see, we'll see. I, I have no idea how it's gonna go. I, I'm just the art teacher, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I'm chilling. I'm like, hey, let's 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 just draw this. Okay, cool. Let's just do that. And anyways, um, so it's. I mean, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. You guys are gonna get it on a Wednesday morning. 
Uh, normally, we'd be recording this on a Monday night, and you guys would get in on Tuesday morning. But in a, in a way, I'm kind of glad that we held off because, uh, you know, some obviously we got some news from Kyle Shanahan as far as the team's health goes. Um, we got this, you know, no matter what, we would have seen it anyways. But we saw the uh, the Seahawks lose their first game of the season to the Cardinals uh, in overtime. One hell of a football game. That game was nuts. That game it, was nuts. We, it was interesting. I'll say that, yeah. yes, no, it was nuts, like, in the sense of just, like, off-the-wall stuff happening, a bunch of interceptions, um, but, it, you know, it was a high, like, uh, high-volume scoring, so I know a lot of people like that, but I just, I, I get it, the Seahawks, you know, good football team, great football team, Russell Wilson, all that, you can't win with that kind of defense. No, right. no. That I was just gonna say, like, if anything, like, good for the good for the Cardinals for for going in there and get, or you know, they were home, but for getting it done. But that that game made like both teams look pretty vulnerable to me. Yeah, like nothing to where I'm like, man, you know, like at the end of the day, like you know, both teams would be like they'll be solid. They're gonna have good records. But anybody that's watched like playoff football. It's it's not like regular season. And if you just don't have good players on one side of the ball, you don't typically see an offense just carry you don't see an offense just carry a a, a team like through the playoffs. Like you, you just don't. Even I mean people might look at like Kansas City Chiefs like they played defense down the stretch last year. Yeah, Who they got they have a good defense. And they had really good football players. Like, you know, they had good players at every level. You know, like the Seahawks, defensively, they've been very poor this year. Like, yeah, not not good at all. Like, then you look at Arizona, their defense hasn't been good either. I mean, they, you know, obviously, like, they it's like, well, Eric, they beat the 49ers. You're like, yeah. You know, uh, obviously, you know, Garoppolo, we've talked touched on this. He had a tough game. Uh, and that was really more so of him just missing passes. Uh, and not really just them, you know, just stuffing, you know, or just really shutting down anything that the 49ers want to do. The 49ers just kind of came out a little flat. But like, I feel like if the 49ers had to play them this week coming up, I, I think the 49ers would beat them pretty good. Like, you, you got – and the 49ers play defense. With all the injuries they've had, um, they still play defense. They still play good defense. Well, outside of that game, uh, uh, we're just gonna call that the Brian Allen game, but yeah, watch that game last <laughs> night. You're right. It, it was a it was a great game in the, in the sense of excitement and just like wow, I can't believe that happened. But my major takeaway was these two teams don't play any defense, and and that's gonna be really tough for them come playoff time. Right. Yeah. I saw. I saw one. I think it was uh, from on one of Joe fans. Uh, just one of his tweets, I had clicked on it and I saw a reply from a Seahawks fan. And it, all it said was, Kyle Shanahan is going to eat this defense alive. <laughs> you know, like, because it was just so poor. And it, it was, and, he, and you know, you saw that, it kind of to your point, like if Russell Wilson has like even the slightest kink in his armor, you know, if if he doesn't play, you know, like almost like a flawless game, kind of how he's been playing, then the, the team loses because they, you know, the offense can't keep pace. If the offense sputters even a little bit, you know, the defense is going to give way almost every, not every time, you know how that is, but 
Like they just, you know, they 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 are just one hundred percent relying on Russell Wilson to be Mister Unlimited. So, you know, it's like, and more times than not, he is like dude, right, one hundred percent. We saw last night. I mean, he had three interceptions, and maybe it's like, well, you can look at it on one hand, like, well, it took three interceptions uh, from Russell Wilson for the Cardinals to win. But I thought that Kyler Murray, and you, you well, I don't want to sound like a hater. I enjoy good football. So this is just me like uh, football talking to Eric Crocker, not 49er fan talking. I thought he was really up and down. He made some like splash plays in the sense of like a nice deep ball, uh, throw to Hopkins down the sideline, perfectly placed, like amazing, boom, touchdown. Um, he had some nice runs, but for the most part, I thought he was very inconsistent. He threw some terrible interceptions. Um, I thought for most of the game, it was really like erratic up and down where like you didn't really know what you were going to get from him. Obviously, he's a, he's he has an elite skill set, so he's able to overcome some of it. And you know, down the stretch, he played extremely well. But yeah, I they like you said, they just two teams that to me, when you look at the bigger picture, they looked a little vulnerable. But good, it was a good game. It, it was a good game. I just don't think I don't look at them and be like, oh my gosh, like Seahawks, oh my gosh, Cardinals. Like I don't look at them like that. No, I I don't think I do either. And I left that, like I said, I left that game thinking like, okay, if the 49ers play a good brand of football, you know, like they played against the Patriots and, you know, like they played against the Rams, they play a good brand of football. I think the Rams are just as good as the Seahawks and the Cardinals, yeah. you know, like, and the, the 49ers were able to play them really well and beat them. If the 49ers play a clean brand of football, they don't even have to light it up. Like it doesn't even have to be like spl- like splashy. It just needs to be clean football. Then I think that they have a, a better than average shot against both those teams. So it, and, it's just and that's really- what we're starting to see from the 49ers. Like that that was right. something that early on, you know, it was you know started off slow against the Cardinals, had a bunch of injuries. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. You saw like up and down, and then now the last couple of weeks, you've seen guys come back. You've seen guys get healthy, and you've seen like oh okay. This looks like the 49ers offense. Now, obviously, like the defense doesn't have like the splash plays from the front end, but I think the back end has definitely tightened up. But you, you the 49ers offense, it, you know, obviously, if they would have been playing like this early, like how they're kind of clicking and guys are getting healthy and stuff like that, like I, I don't know if they would have any losses <laughs> right now, like when they're when they start playing at this type of level. That and I'm talking about the offense. Right, and to me, it's it's even more impressive if the if the 49ers continue to play how they're playing. It's even more impressive to me than what they did last year, just because of the amount of injuries they've suffered and how many backups are like playing consistent roles, and, and even on offense, how much they've had to overcome. You know, like but but they're still playing as far as you know recently a, a dominant brand of football, and even the offensive line has kind of righted the ship. They've improved a lot. We'll talk about that later. You know, it's like it's just if they even even you know with with a lot of their premium talent on the bench right now they've still been able to play like a premium football team and that is it's unique yeah you you just talked about um all the injured guys on the bench right now 56 million dollars worth of players on injury reserve well and and I, yeah i saw that and what's interesting too is the 49ers were at near the top of that Last year, but they had a quarterback on that. Excuse me, not last year, 2018. But they had a quarterback on that list, making 20 million million. This year, they do not have a quarterback on that list. 
and they're still <laughs> leading the league. I didn't see what second place was at. So the yeah. Fort- so second place is so 49ers are at 56 million 300,000. Um below them is uh Dallas Cowboys which is pretty much about uh $400,000 off of where the 49ers are, but that's with Dak Prescott who's on um uh franchise tag making over $30 million. So he takes a huge bulk of that. 49ers don't have no $30 million guy on injured reserve right now. So when you see 56 million like that's a Huge number. That's a lot of guys missing. And that's 10 million more than the third place team, which is the Denver Broncos. Right. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, and and it's so I mean, just trying to, you know, who just try to take that information and store it in your brain for, you know, like you have to contextualize everything the team does. You know, it's not necessarily an excuse for everything the team doesn't do. But at the same time, you know, when this team excels and they go out and shut down the Patriots to six points and hand Bill Belichick the worst home loss of his entire coaching career, like that is an impressive, impressive feat. You know, and a lot of credit needs to go to the players, to the coaches, to the front office for building that roster. Like that's not a normal thing, you know, for a, a defense that's composed of almost half half. Half the players, half the starters are now backups. Like, that's nuts. Like, that's that's pretty awesome. So there will be times where maybe that can't sustain itself, you know, and there may be points where there's, you know, where it's obvious, you know, backup players making mistakes. But at the same time, I mean, they've already proven that that they can hold their own and, and anything, any returning players at this point is like a bonus because if this defense can play how they're playing now in this shape, you know, you're getting a starter back. You have to assume it's only going to mean good things. So, I mean, it's it's impressive. But um, in addition to the Cardinals beating the Seahawks in overtime, the Rams played on Monday night. They beat the Bears pretty easily. Um, basically, the Bears, you know, for, for lack of a better line, are who we thought they were. Like, they were like – everybody knew they were the worst 5-1 and one team or whatever they were when they started the game against the Rams in the – in the league, and they they just didn't look good. The Rams yeah, looked solid. The Rams looked solid, but the Bears looked horrible. It's almost like like uh, Nick Foles, Nicholas Foles. Like I'm not even calling him Nick Foles after that game. Nicholas Foles, because <laughs> he's in trouble, like his parents. Yeah, like you're Nicholas now, bro. Uh, it was. I mean, I was just watching it. I'm like, like you know, and obviously, like you know, be, you know, for 49er reasons, you you know, you want the Bears to win, and I'm just watching. I'm like, gosh, these guys have no chance. They suck. <laughs> like, if it weren't for the defense, it, it probably would be even worse. But, you know, the defense did as much as they could, kind of keeping it close for, for a long time. It just ended up being, like, more of a slow death, right? It was like, you know, they were getting kind of tortured, like somebody just was pulling off their toenails. <laughs> and it was just like, ah, like, you just feel everything. Um, and then late, uh, Eddie Jackson scored on a, a fumble uh, return for a touchdown. I think they made a fumble. It was Robert Woods on the end of the round. Uh, he fumbled, but yeah, for, for that game, I was just like, gosh, the Bears, like, I tweeted out, like, how does this team have one win all year? Like, and again, like you said, you know, context with everything with the 49ers, like roster and injuries, uh, is context with who they've played. And I guess they haven't really played too many formidable uh, opponents. And uh, that kind of showed, because that was it. That did not look like a good offense. It looked like he had good players, but yeah, that was, that was ugly. I was really disappointed that day. 
<laughs> could <they> at least <laughs> compete. <laughs> like, come on, right. beat the Rams. Right. So, um, as far as the NFC West goes, the Seahawks are still out in front at five and one. The Cardinals are in second at five and two. Rams at five and, and third at five and two, and then the 49ers in fourth at four and three. Now, although I don't believe it will shake up the 49ers positioning at all, um, it depends on what the Cardinals and Rams do. But let's say the, if the 49ers were to beat the Seahawks um, on Sunday, that would drop them all the way down to third place, I believe, um, because they've had they would have more. They'd have the same record as the Rams. Well, I mean, we'll see what the Rams do. Um, I don't know if either of them are, are on a bye week at all. But um, the a forty niners went over the Seahawks in the immediate in the the now won't really adjust their positioning um, because they they still have more losses than than everybody else. But uh, they will really damage the Seahawks position. I think the Seahawks would drop all the way down to third from first to third. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. You know, it's, it's the 49ers, although the season has been so up and down in a way are still very, very, very much in the hunt. And if, if they play how they played against the Rams, if they play how they played against the Patriots, if they keep that going, you know, there, there's nothing saying that they, they can't still win this division. And especially with there being another wild card spot, uh, available this year, there is a scenario where, <laughs> All four of these teams could make the playoffs because there's three wild card spots, but um, it, it's it's very rare because obviously they have to play each other too, and they have to you know somebody's going to win or lose. But so still a very interesting, so obviously the best division in the NFL, and it's not close. So um, you know it'll be just interesting to see how that shakes out. I I really don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at the Cardinals schedule. I have to look at the Rams schedule. I don't know anything about what they are doing. I just know the 49ers have. The Seahawks, and, and since I was ridiculed and lectured by Crocker to take it one week at a time, I'm, I'm just refusing to look at anything else but the 49ers and the Seahawks. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did kind of see ahead just in the sense of like who other teams play, and it looks like a lot of playing each other. So um, there will be wins and losses by the NFC West coming up because they play each other. Right, right. So there's no choice for someone's taking an L. So, um, all right. So we're going to cool there. We're going to cool it there for uh, kind of like a recap and, and, and kind of just wrapping the NFC West up. We're going to get a quick word in from our sponsors. And then when we come back, Crocker and I are going to give you guys our, our winners and losers, you know, quote unquote losers from the 49ers uh, big time win over the Patriots uh, on Sunday. Bring it up in front. We've got Indeed. And even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed's here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control over payment flexibility and your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73% 
of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have done for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed's offering our listeners striking gold a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply and the offer is valid through the end of the year, December 31st. And along with Indeed, we got Bet Online. Football's back. It's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Ben Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now you guys are kind of hearing why I did not record this podcast <laughs> by myself yesterday because uh, Crocker was a little busy and um, I, uh, I'm, I'm like, my voice is like trying to come back. I like lost it over the weekend and it's like, because we have a podcast and I always, and I, because I teach a class and I always have a reason to talk, it's like taking forever to come back. So if you're sticking with us right now, listening to this monstrosity of a voice you know i can't help the fact that i sound like kermit frog on a usual day but now it's even worse so if you're still with us i appreciate you the love is real the love is real so crocker are you ready let's do it winners losers and like we like i said when we say losers we don't obviously the 49ers play their best game of the season so you want to start with losers because i think what we only have one right well, yeah, you have one and I have one. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You want to start with losers? All right, we'll start start with start with your loser then, Croc. I mean, because we're we're gonna be so positive. We've been, I feel like we've been like, oh, so positive like last couple of weeks. It's like let's start with some negative stuff. All right, <laughs> good cop, bad cop, man, go for it. <laughs> all right, so um, my loser, Debo Samuel, and obviously it's not for play reasons, and he can't control that he got hurt. But he is a loser because he's like, dude, we need you, right? Like, I just, you know, went on the whole rant about how 49ers are getting healthier and how the offense is clicking. And he's been a huge part of that with, you know, how he's they've been using him the last couple of weeks. He's been picking up, I mean, these cheap yardage where it's like, oh, I'm just going to sit over here and see if nobody notices me. Oh, look, they don't notice me. Then, like, catches the ball and runs for another 20-something yards. Like, we we need that. We just need to, even the, the just the threat of that, the threat of him getting the ball. And... He's hurt, tweaked his hamstring, uh, which was weird. Like, you know, we were talking about, like, grabbed his knee, but his hamstring, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but just we need we need Debo Samuel, man. We need all our guys right now. And, you know, with the upcoming games, only thinking about Seahawks, but, you know, just a, the schedule, you know, you, you want all your guns. And offensively, 
the 49ers are already down Raheem Mostert. It was a good time for them to really feature their receivers and get them the ball and get them the ball in space. And, and they were doing that. And uh, now Debo is out two weeks after already missing a few games early in the year. So uh, Debo, first loser. And if this was the only time he got hurt this year, like, okay, he's going to miss the next two games. Cool. But it's not. He already missed the start of the season, started getting a little groove, and now he's missing a couple more games. So I'm a little upset at that. And not because he got hurt, can't control that, but yeah, because he got hurt. So that's the. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you got to understand too, like the 49ers played a really, really, really good brand of football. Like we got to pick somebody. You know what I mean? Like it, it, and, and Debo Samuel just, not that he could have controlled getting hurt, but I mean, the 49ers are just in a position where he's just playing such a massive role. You know, he had three carries, only had him for seven yards, but again, he added five receptions for 65 yards and a good amount of those were after the catch. You know, they just dump it out to him and let him do his thing. And, and obviously, I mean, that's a, that's a giant chunk. The only person that had more offensive yards um, than Debo Samuel, at least in terms of pass catchers, was Brandon Ayuk. So he, he's got a significant role in the offense. And now the 49ers are going into in, – are in the middle of this stretch of, uh, you know, basically every game is must win. And uh, now they're going to have to do it without him. Now, if there's one person I know can can figure out how to do that, it's Kyle Shanahan. But, I mean, that's still it's, – it's, it's tough that they got put in that position. Uh, my loser is uh, Jarek McKinnon, who – um, had three carries for negative one yards. <laughs> he averaged negative 0.3 yards per carry for, for everybody that did that quick math there. Um, and, and Kyle Shanahan said after the game that he was resting Jarek McKinnon because Jarek McKinnon had gotten a lot of work um, lately. And that was the reason that he just didn't have a whole lot of carries where I'm not really buying that. You know, like Kyle Shanahan's usually pretty honest. But, I mean, like if you go to I'm, – I'm pulling both of them up right now. But if you go to the 49ers games, like last week against – in their win over the Rams, Raheem Mostert got 17 carries. Jermichael Hasty got nine. Jerick McKinnon got six. Okay, so then you go to the week before that where they were playing against the Dolphins and – Raheem Moster got 11 carries. Jeff Wilson got four. Jarek McKinnon got one. So where is the work that Kyle Shanahan is giving him a break from? Like, if I go uh, in front of that, you know, when the 49ers uh, played the Eagles, I think that was the last game where Jarek McKinnon, yeah, that was a lot. Jarek McKinnon had 14 carries, and the next person had one. So in week four, we are now in week eight. In week week four was the last time Jarek McKinnon had a had a heavy workload, and it was only fourteen carries. He did also, he did also catch seven passes. So I mean, he was very active in that game. But then when you go to week five, like I said, he didn't have a huge role. And then when you go to week six, didn't have a huge role. And then we're at week seven against the Patriots, and he didn't have a huge role. So what are you what are you resting him from? You know, like to me, it has more to do with the fact that the 49ers are ready to see their young guys eat. You know, Jeff Wilson, 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns. Jermichael Hasty, nine carries, 
for 57 yards. Both of those young guys averaged over six yards a carry. And you're telling me that you didn't give McKinnon carries because you're resting him? He's had rest. You're giving, you're not giving him carries because the young guys are eating and they look good and they look fast and they look explosive and they look hungry and they look violent. Like they look like everything you could want from a pair of running backs. <laughs> right. That's why they're getting the ball, you know, and, and they're playing well enough to where, I mean, Raheem is the clear guy, but I can guarantee you that when he comes back, he's not going to have as many touches. And that for those fantasy football fans out there, that's not what you want to hear. But I mean, these young guys look good. That's just straight up. That's all there is to it. They look good. Yeah. And McKinnon, was the first person that saw a dramatic decrease in his role within the offense due to these young studs. You know, I mean, that's I'm I'm just chalking up to them, chalking up, chalking it up to them looking good. That's it. Yeah, I, I did hear Kyle like kind of talk about it. I want to say even before the last game, where he he was saying that he was trying to. Yeah, matter of fact, because he he was talking about the Rams game and how McKinnon didn't get like the carries like that. And he was saying that he had a big workload, like more than what they expected or what they wanted him to have, and that it was making him lose some of his explosiveness. So I, I think they did kind of want to go away from it a little bit, but all that tells me is like he's just not you know, he, yeah, he'll be like a third down guy, but I don't think they have any uh, intentions on having him be like a big feature in the run game, if that makes sense. Um, so I think w kind of what we've seen, at least from other guys carrying the ball, I definitely think that'll probably can, uh, uh, continue. But I, I think we will, once he, whenever he feels like he's ready to kind of be explosive again or whatever, but <laughs> I think we will start seeing him um, be more of the third down guy uh, because he has been a good pass catcher. He just wakes up one day and he's like, yep, I'm feeling explosive. Got my legs back. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, that that might not be all it takes, but, I, I mean, it's just – you know how it is, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like, if these guys keep doing what they're doing and, 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 and we're right. obviously going to get a little bit of a window of opportunity here for Jermichael Hasty um, because of Jeff Wilson's injury. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't even really do injuries, but – I'm not worried about it right now. So, I mean, we'll see. It, it, by the end of the season, it might be all Raheem Mostert and Jermichael Hasty, Or maybe Jeff Wilson comes back. And You know, it's just so hard to predict, like always, in Kyle Shanahan's backfield. But to me, what happened to Jarek McKinnon, there might be some, you know, some you – can, you can attribute some of it to his lack of explosiveness and needing rest. But to me, I'm attributing a lot more of it to – these guys just looking hella good. <laughs> like they're yeah. going to get the ball because they look hella good, you know? So um, anyways, let's, let's get positive. Let's do it. We got winners, Crocker winners. Take us away. You were tweeting about him today. I want to hear it. I want to hear the Crocker report breakdown and you got it throughout this little thing that you're about to say about a uh, 49ers rookie receiver. You have to say, air that hoe out one time. <laughs> All right. So, um, my first winner, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you you did a good job of teeing that up for me. Uh, Ayuk, and, and not even dream work, baby. 
That's right. Yeah. Um, not even for the reasons I think most people would think like, okay, you know, he had a big game, seven catches or six catches for 115 yards, um, you know, looked really good. And I think that's more, most people would be like, oh man, that, you know, but to me it's beyond the numbers. Uh, early on, what I saw when he played in his first game, I want to say it was the Jets. And I was like, he's thinking too much. He's not playing that full speed, not playing fast. So it was kind of hard for him to separate. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a little bit of, bit of a process. And I went into this, um, watching this film tonight, just briefly going over. I was like, you know, I just want to watch Ayuk. And like, what does he look like in week seven compared to week one? And it was much improved, like from a uh, just speed perspective, uh, just how, how quick he was playing, how uh, sure he was of what he had to do. And that athleticism that I knew he had coming out of Arizona State, um, he put that on full display. Uh, played fast, explosive, was able to separate from man coverage. And that, that was one thing I was worried about. Like, man, Patriots, they, they match up with these guys and they, they have a guy for everybody and they just play men and, and they, they have some uh, robber stuff and they did some bracket stuff on George Kittle, which I figured they would do. Who's going to win? And um, I think I said, like, Kendrick Bourne, who... I don't even think he had a catch, but it was Ayuk. Um, continued to separate, easy separator. There was one play where Jimmy Garoppolo definitely had the uh, opportunity to air that hole out and score. I mean, he beat the defensive back. It was actually on the interception that uh, 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 Garoppolo threw. If he would have waited a tick longer and actually looked at his rookie receiver, it would have been a – if he threw it in you know, a good pass, touchdown. It would have been a 60-yard, 70-yard touchdown or whatever instead of an interception. Uh, it, it, it was really – it was a nice, good stutter go. Now, I know a lot of people have kind of been ripping Garoppolo for, you know, his lack of uh, throwing the ball deep. But I'll say this. When, when it comes to throwing the ball deep, you have to trust your guys. And I think the more he sees his uh, rookie receiver be able to win vertically like that, I think he'll start to give him more opportunities. And we're already seeing him get those more opportunities as a receiver um, where it's like, okay, I need a guy to beat me on coverage. Who's my guy? Well, if they're going to double George Kittle, they can't double both guys. And I, you have to win your one-on-one battles. And last game, I thought he did. He actually was open on some over-the-middle versus zone as well um, where he had an opportunity to you know, get, get some catches there. But for that game, I thought it was really good just to see him separate and win, especially at verse press, didn't have to do anything real fancy. Just boom, boom, get out of his, uh, you know, his release, explode out, stack the, re, uh, stack the defensive back, break off his route, catch the ball. I mean, there was a lot of that going on, man. It, it looked really good. It looked really good. So I'll say that that's my that's my uh, first winner. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the best. Doesn't get much better than that. I mean, he was. He just looks good, man. And he's, you know, what's awesome about what we saw too, because I was watching a little bit too, is he doesn't look like a rookie. He doesn't, he doesn't look like somebody who, you know, he'll have those, those flashes of rookiness, but you know, he, he doesn't look like somebody who hasn't been playing football all that long. You know, like he just, I think he was like playing like legitimate college ball for like two years or, you know what I mean? Like I can't remember the exact, Kind of development. His, well, he was like, a junior college guy and played like right. multiple positions at at uh, Sierra Junior College and was actually like I'm pretty sure I brought it up on here before, but you know he was recruited to play cornerback at Alabama. So 
you know, from junior college. And he, you know, hey, he wanted to be a receiver, so he went to Arizona State, had to learn a lot over the first year, and then, you know, was the man his senior year. And, and that was it. So Right. So, I mean, this guy is, is way more raw than most first-round wide receiver prospects usually are. And he's out there looking like, like a, you know, not, I don't want to give him too much credit, but, I mean, he looks good. And he's already making strides that you wouldn't necessarily expect someone with as little experience as he has to make. And, and I just think his ceiling is really high. Like, he can just, especially with the physical tools, kind of his body makeup, the guy, like, you already saw him hurdle a dude that was barely even bending down. And he's got long, long arms. You know, he, you're going to, it won't be long before you see him going up and over the top of guys and making these plays. And, you know, for, for him to be showing that this early on, is just, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. Yeah, it's encouraging. Uh, the, the biggest thing is just him and Garoppolo getting on the same play, page. And they've only played two full games together. So, um, the more they play together, the more they'll build that rapport. And I think you'll see, continue to see him be, you know, a big part of what the 49ers do offensively. And they won't have to, at least, you know, in the downfield passing game, just have to rely on George Kittle all the time. They'll have another guy uh, that they can count on. Right. And I also think it's important for fans to know, like, any any play that you see posted on Twitter, like, oh, Garoppolo didn't see Ayuk here, you know, open, whatever – they see that too. There's there's nothing you're gonna see on Twitter that Jimmy Garoppolo and and Brandon Ayuk haven't looked at together, you know. And and there and even though Jimmy Garoppolo may not have gone his way on that play, they will run that play again. They will run similar plays to that again. And you can believe that within Jimmy Garoppolo's head, he knows what he's seen on tape. And he said, "Okay, I know. I watched it. I know on this play." I can I can toss it up to Ayuk and he'll be there, you know. And even on that deep pass to Brandon Ayuk, like you were talking about last time we were on here, Croc, is he just he knew Ayuk was going to be where he needed to be, so he tossed it up there on that thirty-seven whatever it was yard play. Right. So he's already developing that. Look, I'm I'm throwing it to you, okay. I don't I don't care what I see. I'm I'm throwing it to you, you know. And that's at Ayuk's stage in his career. That's pretty impressive. But anyways. Oh, hold on. One, one, first... one more thing real quick. Uh, whatever, um, man. I've seen, like, a lot of people... Oh, no. Dodgers about to score. Throw it! You know, I'm a Giants fan, so you know, I'm not going for the uh, Dodgers right now. But, um... Uh, damn, lost my train of thought. Oh, the, the deep ball before halftime that got intercepted. I actually had people in my comments like, he needs to battle for that and jump for that. And it's like, dude, he got boxed out by one guy... And the other guy went up for the ball, like, <laughs> well, like he's running full speed one way. The ball is underthrown, like so. It's like okay, he has to like he's gonna be able to like just stop all his momentum, um, and then like with one guy shielding him and the other guy going up to intercept the ball, like he's supposed to fight through that, like. And sometimes it's clear some of these guys haven't really. I don't want to say they haven't played football, but maybe they haven't went up for jump balls where they would have to, like, you know, you, you have to stop no, 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 all your momentum. No no. no, 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 it's clear. It's clear. <laughs> like, we're talking about the same shit when people are telling me what Pettis should have done on that one deep ball at the beginning of the season. Like, yeah. some of the shit I was hearing didn't make any physical sense. It, it wasn't even rooted in reality, and I'm sure you're hearing a lot of that same shit. Yeah, so that was just one thing where, you know, it's 
when he's able to jump up for the ball, like that, that's not like somebody was like, well, I know he's a rookie, so he'll get better at it. No, nah, like he knows how to go up and high point a the ball. There's just it's just not always as easy as it seems. Same as what I you know I went on the rant before about cornerbacks uh, getting their head around and when they can and can and stuff like that. And everybody just thinks like, oh, it's just so easy to get your head around. They're like, no, nah, I mean, actually, like you have to you know get in phase. You have to you know have your timing down and th- and know like, oh, is the ball coming? Is it? Can I look now? If I didn't get in phase soon enough, okay, I'm gonna have to, have to play the hands. And there, there's a lot that kind of goes into it. It's same with even that situation there, with where it's not always as simple as it seems, especially when you have one guy kind of going to box you out, then the other guy jumping up and picking up the ball. You're going, your whole momentum is going one way, and you're trying to uh, stop and then try to like leave your feet. It's just not as simple as it sounds. Uh, but when he can do it, they're gonna be like, oh, this he wish he would did that earlier. And it's like, nah, man, like. It's just kind of position different. So that's why he's able to do it this time. So that's all. Uh, you can. You know, go. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. But no, good point. It's, there is, like I said, I'm, I'm very not, I'm not the the type to say, oh, you didn't play ball, so you don't know what you're talking about. I, I, w- I would never say that. I, I don't, you know, but sometimes people say things where they just don't really understand the physical limitations of a human being in that situation. And like kind of what it feels like to be in that situation. And, you know, sometimes it could just be a little weird. Like, you know, you just kind of, it, it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. But anyways, my first winner, there was no way we could get through this pod and not talk about him. Jeff Wilson Jr. Coming out of nowhere. Like no one predicted Jeff Wilson Jr. To be the man on Sunday against the Patriots. Everybody assumed it was going to be Jarek McKinnon with maybe a little bit of Jermichael Hasty mix in. And then here comes Jeff Wilson Jr., another one of Kyle Shanahan's undrafted free agent specials. And the dude just – and we've seen it, though. Like, we've seen Jeff Wilson run before. And I know that you and me and Crocker shared the same opinion. And, like, this guy's good. He just doesn't get to play that often. And, you know, you get the perfect storm where Jeff Wilson gets to play – and the dude just rattles off a cool 17 carries for 112 yards, averaged 6.6 yards per carry, scored three touchdowns, and obviously gave up his body on the third touchdown, got rolled over on his ankle. And he now has a high ankle sprain, and he's expected to go on IR. He'll probably miss three, four, or five weeks max, somewhere in there. But, I mean, like, the dude was just, like, phenomenal. Like, he looked great. He looked quick. I mean, obviously, he's a fresh pair of legs, but at the same time, he looked quick. He looked violent. He looked decisive. Uh, it was just, dude, it was impressive. Strong, was, ran powerful. Right, right. Yeah, he was a complete back. You know, he yeah, was really. How about his vision? The vision was really good. Um, there was one, one run that uh, Baldy broke down, and it was like he went right and then was really patient, hid behind the line. Then and it went left and then came back right, then cut up the field and like picked up like 10 yards, put his head down at the end. I'm like, God damn, is this like Ricky Williams or something? Like, why is he, why is he running so good? <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's what Kyle Shanahan does. Like he eats it's, it's it's a it's a mix of recognizing talent at running back and producing an offense that is ideal for a running back. So you know, it's a mix. These guys are definitely talented, but they're in the perfect situation. That's why when Raheem Mostert requested a trade, and obviously that didn't happen and helped spur his contract, but I was like, look, man, like, I get it. You want to get paid. You want to be the guy somewhere else. Uh, 
but you're in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like this is the the promised land for running backs. You know, now yes, there is some, you know, you do usually have to share touches and stuff like that, but as far as an offense that's built for a running back, they don't really get any better than than this. So, you know, and you're seeing that with Jeff Wilson now, who was just so impressive in every way, shape, or form. You know, he was basically, you know, the 49ers offense. Um, in total, where's that? Uh, gained 467 yards, and Jeff Wilson, in and of himself, was responsible for 120 of that. So one man was responsible for essentially a little bit more than one a quarter of the offense. So I mean, that's impressive, dude. He was just so good, and you know, it's a bummer that he got hurt. But you know, right behind him was Jamichael Hasty with nine carries. He had 57 yards, 6.3 yards per carry. So, you know, he's coming. He's coming. And I know that that is, you know, I, I already said too much because I got to give Crocker his time. I know that was Crocker's uh, next winner. So tell me what, what you saw from Jermichael Hasty Crocker. And then I know you also wanted to shout out the O-line. So what you see, man? Yeah, just I, I say he's a winner in the sense of, you know, you're probably going to have your number called now because there's another injury to the running back. And I thought – he looked really good, right? Just once he gets in the game, a lot of these 49er running backs are like one-cut guys, like where they, you know, they run and, you know, it's like outside zone and they've been, you know, really good with like finding the hole, putting their foot in the ground, getting vertical. Well, he's not really like them. And it was almost like he can do it when he has to, but, I mean, he has some nice little shiftiness to him. He has what I call like cuts on top of cuts where he's able to just put his foot in the ground, ba-boom, ba-boom. And, like, it looks effortlessly. Like, he – effortless. He – there was one guy he made miss, like, out on the edge, and it was just ba-boom. And I know dude was just like, God damn, where'd he go? And, like, he just bounced outside. I was like, damn. Uh, I mean, average over five yards per carry. I thought he ran hard. Now, he's not quite the thumper as, like, Wilson and maybe might not run, like, as hard through guys as – uh, even what we've seen from Mostert this year. But he brings a different dynamic, man, and it looks really good. Uh, I, I think as well his vision has looked really good. Um, obviously, his acceleration has looked really good. He doesn't have, like, that top-end speed like some of the other guys, but really good. And, but, again, I, I'm talking about his skill set and stuff, but this is about him being a winner. And he's a winner because there's an opportunity at hand, and he stepped up, and he took advantage of it. And I think that's going to lead to him getting more carries next week. So um, I say he's a winner. Obviously, I want to touch on the offensive line because, I mean, when you have 197 rushing yards, uh, over five yards of carry, you know, for the backs, and that's with McKinnon coming in and not having, you know, a good yards carry. So he's kind of bringing the yards per carry down a little bit. Uh, the offensive line played extremely well. For the most part, they kept Jimmy clean. Like, you know, you're, you know, you're playing against the – the New England Patriots, they did some good things with bringing some free blitzers and free, uh, free runners and stuff. And uh, so, but I think for the most part, you know, on however many snaps 49ers maybe had, what, 70 snaps or so, you know, they were probably really good on about 66 of them. So they were never an issue. I thought Jimmy, uh, for the most part, was pretty comfortable and um, being decisive because of the office line. And Jimmy's another guy who I know I'm kind of rambling on here, but he played extremely well too. And um, it looks like he's definitely gained a lot of his confidence. And you and I wanted the receivers to be able to do receiver things. And I thought the offensive line helped. Jimmy Garoppolo was on. 
and uh, they got to do that. So kudos to the O line, kudos to uh, winner Jermichael Hasty and uh, Garoppolo. Yeah, no, that's well said. Garoppolo was solid again. If you look at his box score, you're going to see zero touchdowns and two interceptions, but. One of those was just kind of a Hail Mary at the end of the half. And the other one was a poor throw where he overthrew a, a Kittle who was, who was for the most part pretty open. But um, he still completed 87, 80% of his passes, 277 yards. And he was actually, you know, making some throws downfield. And like me and Crocker said on Sunday, like this was the first game of Garoppolo this year where we were like comfortable with him dropping back. You know, and we didn't get that like – that feeling of, oh, what's, what's about to happen? Like, he, he just – he looked good, and he looked in control. So I expect to to see more of that against a Seahawks defense that is almost non-existent. So, you know, he, sh- he should – him coupled with Kyle Shanahan's game plan, they should be able to sling it pretty well against the Seahawks. And my, uh, my final winner is Fred Warner. Uh, I know we haven't really touched on the defense much uh, – uh, as far as I mean, we did earlier, but as far as winners and losers go, and Fred Warner, man, like he's not only established himself as an elite linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the league, in the conversation for the best linebacker in the league, but he's also getting respect as the defensive player of the year. Like, sure, his odds aren't one of the best. I think he's in like the top five when it comes to like betting odds. But I mean, he's that that should tell you enough right there. Like he's eclipsed his position and he's now just getting league wide respect as one of the best defenders in the NFL, which is just huge. Like it's the 49ers have, you know, been spoiled, if you will, by guys vastly outperforming their expectations, you know, like George Kittle and even somebody like Nick Bosa, who was even if he was drafted number two overall. No one expected him to be as good as he was, um, you know, and, and you've got George Kittle, fifth round guy uh, who comes in is now the best tight end in the NFL. And even Fred Warner, they got him in the third round, you know, like you expect him to be solid, but you don't expect him to show up like one of the best linebackers in the league. You know, they do those redrafts all the time. Warner would be like a top 10 pick now, you know, if, if they were to redraft knowing what they know now type of deal, maybe even higher than that. So it's like, the dude has just come in. I mean, and the 49ers are probably already, you would think, putting away money that they know that they're going to have to somehow find to uh, for Fred Warner. And, and he made an interception in this game where he was in perfect coverage, uh, forced Cam Newton to make a stupid throw on the run, and he caught this ball down at his ankles and plucked it out of the air with his fingertips before it could hit the ground. And it may have, like, touched the tip of a blade of grass. But this was it was such an impressive catch. It was a catch that like if you saw a a receiver make it, you'd be like, God damn, the guy's got some hands. Yeah. You, you know, but this is a linebacker and you don't necessarily expect him to to make those kinds of catches. But I mean it's just game after game, we're just starting to realize that Fred Warner is like like damn. Like he is a guy guy. And he, you know, he's he if if he's unless something drastically changes. To me, with right now, the way he's playing, he's a shoo-in as an all-pro at linebacker. And, you know, like I said, he may get even more recognition than that. We'll see. But, I mean, Sunday against the Patriots was just another cool game. And I think one of the key reasons the 49ers defense is still playing so well, other than 
the Brian Allen game is because of Fred Warner. He's in the middle of that defense. He's their leader. He's their quarterback. He's playing at a high level. Everybody's rallying around him and some of these other guys, and, and it's nothing but good things. Yep. Fred, Fred Warner is awesome, man. And we didn't touch on defense. I Real quick, I, I have to give some love to the defense. Um, I know you just gave love to Warner, but how about Robert Sala? Um, right. There's two weeks in a row coming up with game plans to really shut down the opposing teams. He's really been good all year outside of that. Just Golly, I mean, I, what the hell was that game against the Dolphins? That was really <laughs> weird. Um, I don't know. Man. I mean, it was just bad on both sides, and I don't know. That was just very uncharacteristic of what we've seen from this coaching staff. Um, but Robert Sala, outside that game, has been really good all year, and that was just a masterful performance there to hold the uh, the New England Patriots to six points. I mean, and it just was from the jump. They never had a chance. Now, New England, they're not the most talented team, but – just to be able to do that to an NFL team against an great coaches, right? Like, so even like with the 49ers, right? I mean, we talked about it, $56 million uh, in salary on IR right now. They're missing a lot of players, but they're still, they still look like, okay, still look like the 49ers for the most part, unless they have to have uh, 48 out there. But who well, they just released today. But um, the, the Patriots have really good coaching. And you just don't expect to see that type of ass whooping. That was the worst ass whooping that the Patriots have ever taken under uh, with Belichick uh, coaching. Uh, so that's a major accomplishment there. Great job by Robert Sala. He did it. He did a match. Everybody talks about Kyle Shanahan in the offense and how masterful they were. Uh, Robert Sala was also a masterful. And I I don't know how the 49ers keep him after this year. I know uh, defense, defensive coaches aren't the hot hires, but there's going to be somebody that's like, man, we gotta get this guy, man, because he's he he's that good. So Well, and he's a he's a leader of men too. You know, he's a he's a, a true leader. You can tell by the way he talks about his guys and the things he says. He's he's somebody that guys wanna play for and that they wanna follow. So, you know, and that and that's just another characteristic of a of a future head coach. You know, you can be as not that was kind of my my question mark towards Kyle Shanahan when they first hired him, like, okay. I know he's an offensive mastermind, but are guys going to want to follow him? Are they going to want to hear what he has to say? You know, there's there's so many leadership qualities that go into being a head coach that sometimes can supersede your play calling abilities, depending on the situation. And uh, Kyle Shanahan, I've been impressed with his ability to to command the respect of the team. And I feel like Robert Sala is going to do the same thing. Like he just, he has that personality and he doesn't, when he talks, you know what I'm talking, you know, Croc better than anybody like that head coach speak, you know, like those cliche, like football things that coaches say. And I don't really hear a lot of that from him other than maybe some, you know, some violent stuff every now and then, which is cool. But, you know, it's just, he just seems like a very genuine guy that a team is going to want to play for. Um, so I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he, he probably doesn't have too much longer with the 49ers because um, he was already getting interest last year. you know. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, people are going to take notice of how many injuries the 49ers have and how well they're still playing. That's It's it's inevitable. So, And a lot of that falls on the coaching. So I think that's it, man. I mean, we got what – what a pod, man. We got a lot in here. Yeah. We, 
we got a lot accomplished. I hope you guys enjoyed it, despite my shitty ass voice. You know, hopefully this comes back. It's just tough because, like I said, every day I'm talking in class and then I'm hopping on the pod with Croc and I just never give this thing a break. So hopefully you guys, despite having to listen to my raspy ass, uh, you still enjoyed it. Uh, I feel like we covered a lot and uh, we'll be back on here tomorrow um, with our mailbag for the week. So if you have a Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, keep an eye out for Crocker and I's little mailbag post. Um, cause you guys got to get your questions in, get, let, let your voice be heard on this podcast. It's, it's one of my favorite episodes we do. So make sure you're in there. If you're listening, you don't have a Twitter, make one. Just, it's so easy. Just make one, just make one. Like, come on, like, just make one real quick and ask a question. And then you're in, you're locked in. You can ask a question every week. You know, you're, you're there, you're in, just don't, just don't say dumb shit. That's, that's all I ask. But anyways. Any last words, Crocker? We good? Nah, we're good. We're good. We're good. I agree. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Can't do this without you. But for another night, this is Striking Gold. Signing out. Justice for Jimmy Garoppolo. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.